Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you wanna mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you wanna jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello Bengals fans, I am Matt Minnick and this is The Minnick Minute. The Minnick Minute is a brief podcast where we talk about a specific issue related to the Cincinnati Bengals and today, where else will we start but with the offensive line? Of course, that's been the big talk of the offseason. Joe Burrow ends the season on injured reserve. He has surgery. We see pictures of him in the New Jerseys. Everybody's excited about the New Jerseys, but you can't help but notice that scar on his knee, right? So that's been the big talk. Have the Bengals done enough? Now, I see people rating this offensive line very low, and that's fair because there's definitely some big-time question marks and people with a lot to prove out there. But when I hear people say that they haven't done anything to address the offensive line... That's just not the case. All right, that's just crazy. So let's talk about the offensive line in 2020 compared to what we're going to be looking at here in 2021. So in 2020, you had Jonah Williams at left tackle, Michael Jordan at left guard, Trey Hopkins at center. Uh, You were supposed to have Xavier Suofilo at right guard. Uh, That didn't last long as he had injury towards the beginning of the season there. And Bobby Hart at right tackle. Of course, Jim Turner was your offensive line coach. We saw a big change there as well. So coming into this year, let's focus on the right side. They made a big acquisition in Riley Reef. He's a little older and hasn't played at the same level recently. But this was a former first-round pick who has gotten it done in the NFL. So guy with a lot to prove, absolutely. Uh, But... Upgrade from Bobby Hart, also absolutely, right? So they've done that, right? They've they've done something to try and solidify that right tackle position and to make an upgrade there. At right guard, look, we we all thought, we all thought the Bengals are taking a tackle in the top 50 of this draft. And, you know, there was the Penny crowd. Obviously, I think anybody would have been on board with Penny. Uh, But, you know, there's the people that really wanted Penny. A lot of the most of the national media thought they needed to take Penny in round one. But I think the consensus amongst all of us was it was going to be a tackle in the second round. And they did and they didn't. All right. They took Jackson Carmen, played left tackle at Clemson. Uh, but right away they said hey, he's a guard. All right. And that's Zach Taylor sticking to his guns. When when they went out and they got Riley Reef, they said Reef's the right tackle, Jones the left tackle. And they're sticking to it. And Jackson Carmen, they bring him in and they're putting him at guard. I think personally looking at his film, I think he's a much better fit. It made me feel a lot better about the pick uh, when I knew they were planning on putting him at guard. Um, 
maybe it's a Whitworth situation, though. You know, maybe it's a situation where he develops and eventually takes over that right tackle position. That certainly makes sense why they would put him at right guard rather than left guard, even though he played left tackle in college. Right guard, get him used to playing on that side, the communication over there, and then boom, maybe he eventually replaces Riley Reef at the right tackle position. All right, but look, for now, he's a, he's a good player, and he's going to be a, a good upgrade at that guard position. You know, I, I believe that, but obviously taking a tackle in college and a rookie, plugging him in uh, as a starter at a different position, uh, that's a bit of a projection. So, again, do the Bengals have a lot to prove? Yes. Have they made moves? Uh, have they done something that you can believe in? Uh, that you can, you know, maybe not put your full faith in, uh, but have they made some some moves that, that if they work out uh, can definitely make this line a lot better? Absolutely. Big time moves with a high pick um, and a former first round pick. Adding those guys to their right side of that offensive line could potentially be huge for this team. All right, so let's talk about the rest of the line. Okay, now, first of all, Right guard was a crazy position for the Bengals last year. We mentioned it was supposed to be Xavier Sofilo. Um, There was a few different things that happened there. All right, we ended up getting in Spain, who came in late in the year. Okay, Now, really, Spain and Xavier Sofilo are both guys who primarily have played left guard throughout their career. So now that the Bengals have really the option at that left guard position of those guys. And they're going to be more comfortable in that position uh, you know, because we, we've seen them in that in that role more throughout their career. So Spain did some pretty good things last year. Um, and really, he was a guy off the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now having a full offseason, actually having time to learn people's names and know what's going on, instead of just getting thrown into the Titans game, um, we should expect more out of him this year and playing a position he's comfortable with. Uh, Xavier Suofilo. You know, now playing on that left side. Sufilo actually played better. Sufilo was one of the better offensive linemen when he uh, was healthy last year. Um, so don't rule him out as well. I think people talk about Spain right away. Uh, but don't rule out, rule out that uh, Xavier Sufilo could be the guy at that spot. So we got two additions. And we've got a third change of position. You know, with those guys who were both here at some point last year, and but really were both acquisitions last year as well. So, look, there's been some changes there. And, and who are you bringing back? You're bringing back your top two offensive linemen. You know, you've got Jonah Williams, all right, former first-round pick uh, at the left tackle position. Look, he has played very well. Um, he does some things really, really well. And now, you know, we'll get to it in a second, he's going to have... Uh, a change to the coaching, which which should certainly help his development. Jonah has been labeled by some as injury-prone. I don't believe that to be the case. He didn't miss a game in college. Um, came to the NFL with a, a shoulder injury. We like now know that. Like We've seen it. He was wearing a brace the year before when they drafted him. Um, you know, he aggravates an old injury, and he misses that first year. That's really not an injury-prone situation to me, right? That's kind of a, a fluke thing that he came in there with. Uh, last year, he played in 10 games. He would have played more. They shut him down at the end of the year because they weren't competing. You know, if, if Burrow was playing at the end of the year, you know, if they would have had Burrow and maybe strung together a couple of games because they had Burrow uh, at the end of the year, Jonah Williams comes back and finishes that season. Um, so I don't think it's really fair to label him as, as injury-prone. He's had a couple of things. Um, 
I don't see it as a major concern personally. Trey Hopkins also coming off an injury. All right. Uh, a little bit more of a concern, but it sounds like he's good to go. He's on a good path. If he's not back, they've got Billy Price. Um, look, Billy Price takes a lot of heat from this fan base. I went back to watch film from his rookie year, uh, really just to see Frank Pollock, you know, what the offense looked like with Frank Pollock. And Price just kept standing out to me. Um, like We forget, he was pretty good as a rookie. Uh, he had a pretty good season as a rookie. So now, again, with Frank Pollock back, um, I feel comfortable with, with Billy Price, at least in the short term. If, uh, you know, Trey Hopkins' injury recovery is a little slower than we want it to be, I can live with that uh, with, with Billy Price, with Frank Pollock. So, again, Frank Pollock is the, the other big thing, you know, adding that type of coach. Um, look, Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing last time he was here. Uh, they had less talent on this offensive line, but were better p- pass blockers. Um, if you, I mean, like, break it down. Look at the offensive line they had. They, like, they didn't have people. Uh, and they, they did a better job. So I think Frank Pollock is a, is a real good addition. But again, look, he's got things to prove, just like a lot of these guys in the line have, have things to prove. So I understand the apprehension. Um, I understand why they're ranked low. I just don't think it's fair to come out and say that they haven't done anything because they have had some major changes. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns for a second. All right, because that's that's kind of the example, right? The lynch mark of a team that had a really bad offensive line and they went out and they made some changes. And this year, they were arguably the best in the league. You know, PFF, I believe, has them as the, as the best offensive line in the league this year. Of course, uh, adding Callahan, all right, new coach, that was a big addition. Um, in 2019, in the previous year, they, they were trying to replace Kevin Zeitler, and they didn't seem to really have a plan for it. Um, Wyatt Teller eventually took over. Wyatt Teller didn't play that, that well that year. So that was, uh, you know, a bit of an issue. Their tackle play was really bad. They, they had brought in uh, Chris Hubbard. Uh, they had Greg Robinson at the other tackle, and the tackle play wasn't good. So what do they do? You know, first of all, they didn't touch Teller. They left Teller alone, even though he hadn't played very well at that guard position. Um, what did he do? He came out and was uh, the highest-ranked uh, guard on PFF last year. So that worked out for them, all right, uh, sticking with that guy. Um, they drafted uh, uh, Jedrick Wilson in the first round, all right, Bama tackle, all right. Bengals didn't really need to do that because they would have had a guy uh, at that position. And they got Jack Conklin, big free agent acquisition. Um Different than the Reef acquisition because Conklin is quite a bit younger, right? Still more in the prime, not, you know, definitely not coming off the type of season that, that Reef has. Uh, but really, that's all they did, right? They added one one free agent and they drafted the guy. You know, the Bengals, what did they do? They drafted a guy around later and they added a free agent, but yeah, a little bit more, you know, sunset of his career type of free agent hopefully not but uh you know a, a little bit older guy um not quite as big of a name not quite as big of money my point here is it was a couple splashy moves for the browns but it they didn't it's not like they really went crazy they replaced two guys and the and the coach and the Bengals replaced two guys and the coach and they're probably gonna have a better situation at, at the other guard position because of it 
So, I'm you know, just to use that as a comparison. Is it as flashy? Is it as splashy? Is it as much of an investment as what the Browns did? No. But is it really that different? I mean, if things work out, it might not be. Um, so, that's how you kind of look at those those two situations. Um, could the, the Bengals be that team that makes a big leap this year uh, based on the change of their offensive line? I think they absolutely could. But again, there are some question marks there, some things that they're going to have to figure out. Now, let's talk about coaching a little bit more. And I want to look at week eight last year. All right, the Bengals played the Titans. Uh, several injuries to the Bengals offensive line. We mentioned Xavier Suofilo. That happened right away, basically, this year. Um, Jonah Williams was out that week. Uh, Bobby Hart was out that week. Uh, Trey Hopkins was out that week. And then I'm doing the pregame show uh, live on Cincy Jungle, along with uh, my guys John Sheeran and Anthony Casenza. And we find out Michael Jordan not playing in the game. Uh, woke up, you know, like that morning he was sick. He wasn't playing in the game. So now we're looking at five for five day one starters not playing in that game. And literally on the show, I was like, well, they're going to win. Um, you know, I think for most people, they'd be like, well, they're definitely not going to win now. I like probably didn't have much confidence in the first place. But that was the moment where I was like, they're going to win. Uh, and why? Because the pressure's off. You can just go out there and play. Like nobody was expecting anything of them. You know, and that was just kind of like the vibe I had, the feeling I had about it. Especially like with a guy, like I don't know Jim Turner personally. I've never seen the guy coach in person. But with his reputation, um, with his demeanor, you know, what we know about him, you could see where guys can play tight in that situation, right? But there's no playing tight when you got five backups in the field. Like, it's all off, all right? All that pressure's off. And look, pressure is important in coaching, right? Guys have to know that there are consequences. Guys have to know what the expectations are for them. Uh, and, and that has to be placed on them. But at the same time, you got to figure out how to get guys to play loose and to be cool, all right? And, and that's what they did in that game. You know, they came out. Um, you had a Denergy, a rookie starting at left tackle. You had Fred Johnson starting at the other tackle. Billy Price, Alex Redmond. Uh, and Shaq Calhoun starting in the interior. Calhoun gets benched for Spain, who I think was picked up that Friday. Um, and that ended up being being the piece they needed. They're like all those guys out there, like it was just, it was simple. You know, like you kind of had to make things simple for them. They're not overthinking things. You got, you got a Denigy, um, a rookie playing next to Spain, who'd been there for like two days and probably hadn't met half these guys. Um, You've got to keep it really simple because they haven't had time to learn everything. Um, and again, you can't put all that all that heat on. The, naturally, the, the pressure's released. And that's what, look, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Bengals' offensive line this year because you think those guys don't hear everybody talking about, we've got to protect Burrow. You think those guys don't know, you know, about all of that? They do. So Frank Pollock needs to figure out how to push them to improve their technique to make sure they know everything that they, they need to know, but also to be the cooler, you know, to be able to get them to chill and just go out there, be loose, be confident, and perform on the field on Sundays. And, like, again, that's what they did in that Titans game because it, it, doesn't, it didn't matter at that point. You know, like, Jim Turner didn't create that situation. Like, it was thrust upon them, and it worked. Frank Pollock needs to figure out 
how to do all of his coaching during the week and then get them ready uh, to compete by being cool and being confident on game day and really releasing that pressure valve, all right? Because it's too much, all right? It's too much. Like, you play too tight. You play too wound up. You've got to be able to find that, that, that comfort zone where you're intense, you're fired up, all right? You're finishing blocks, all right? You're dominating your opponent, right? You're coming off and you're doing all those things. But at the same time, like, you're loose and you're confident, all right? There's not that, that thing in the back of your head like, oh, what about Burrow? What if I get him hurt? What if I'm that guy? Like, you can't have that. You can't play football like that. You can't live life like that, you know? Like, you've got to be able to chill a little bit. To me, that's what they had in that Tennessee Titans game. That's why I predicted that win because I was like, there's no excuses now. Like, there's no pressure. Uh, so, there's, you know, there's, just, they can just go out there and play, you know, and, and be free. And they scored 31 points and didn't give up a sack in that game. So, that's what they need to create. And that's the situation that they're in here. Uh, but I think Carmen and Reef were two quality ads, you know, potentially very good ads. So, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, throughout the season but the pressure is on Frank Pollock to figure out how to get those guys going and then to relieve the pressure from everything else and get them to just play on game day get everybody at their peak during the week everybody at their peak in the offense and then get them to relax and go out there and, and play the game the way the way they know how to do it on Sundays so I am Matt Minnick this is the Minnick Minute and that is my take on the Bengals offensive line and what they need to do and how really they can be successful this season. Thanks for tuning in. Who day? Yeah, we coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd, we coming forward with sours.